Hello, everybody. This is uh, Tony from Who Invited Her podcast. I am recording live here. We are covering Hurricane Rosa Watch 2018 here in San Diego. I believe the technical term for it is a light sprinkle, but we are going to throw to our live feed to Bashi, who is covering the beaches on our Hurricane Watch. Bashi, are you there? Tony, I'm here. It's a disaster out here. I've seen at least 17 car accidents from the 5 to the 8. The river is flooding its banks. Dogs are getting their feet wet here at Dog Beach. It's complete pandemonium. We're expected to get half a millimeter of rain in the region, and San Diegans are freaking the fuck out. Back to you in the studio at Who Invited Her. Thanks for the update, Bash, at San Diego Beaches. Now we're going to throw to our other correspondent, Mariam T., who is covering Hurricane Watch 2018 in the neighborhood Hillcrest. Mariam, are you there? Hello, it's she, her, me, Miss Mariam T. I'm currently on top of Fiesta Cantina, taking down one of their giant inflatables so I can float this hurricane out. I will survive. Back to you, Tony. Thank you, Mary M.T. Hopefully you will make it during this hurricane. You guys, this just in. The clouds have cleared. It is back to sunny San Diego. I am glad that we survived Hurricane 2018. And we will go out and enjoy the sunny weather here in San Diego. Thank you. everybody, welcome to another episode of Who Invited Her? We are an LGBTQ pop culture podcast here in America's finest city, San Diego. I am your host, Tony, and I'm here with my other fabulous host. I'm Bash. And... Did she hear me, Miss Miriam T? <laughs> yes, you guys. And Megs is at Gay Days in Disneyland, so she is not here this week, but she will be here next week. You guys, we have a jam-packed show today. We have... A very special guest calling in in a bit, who we are super excited to talk about. We talked about her a lot on the podcast, and you hear her voice all the time. It is Miss Coco Peru is going to be calling in. Yay! <laughs> I thought you were pushing a button. I know, I couldn't find uh, it, god damn it. I was giving your button a moment. Uh, well, there's only one thing that can get Miriam and I out of bed this early on a Saturday, and that it is, is Coco, Coco, Peru. Coco Peru. Yeah, we're super, super <laughs> excited. So, like, you guys, so everybody, as you, we, uh, it's so early. It's so early. <laughs> this podcast is canceled. I wouldn't even cut this out. Like, I know, I wouldn't either. <laughs> I never, I haven't sat across from you before in oh, a while, this is Bash. Weird. This used to be the setup. Bash used to sit across from me before because you would is sit here and I now? was a little there. Bit. And now that Megan he's was on it the, out. Yeah. Do you need to swap? No, no it's okay. Fine. Okay. <laughs> I'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, we had a light sprinkling of rain here in San Diego. And of course, everybody freaks out. It was a disaster. Yeah. How was work? Was Moe's like canceled and everything? Because I napped through the rain. <laughs> it was because Sunday. it rained before. Um, it was a Sunday, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was I think, Monday. Yeah, it was Sunday. It, it was. was Sunday, and I worked a double, and so I was in between shifts, and I tried to take a nap. Yeah, so it was a nap before, and then I came out, and I was like, "It's wet out here." <laughs> I know that. It that rained. was my reaction. Yeah, well. it's yeah. wet out here. It's so funny because in San Diego, for people who don't don't oh. live here, it is like permanent summer year round. Yeah. So when we do get a little a little bit of weather like a light sprinkling we had it is literally everybody in san diego like acts like it's a hurricane yeah. but hand to god i work like over in point loma liberty station yeah it drizzled for like 
two like seconds. Like you said, 10 minutes. Yeah. And there's all of these like moms. They're like really hot Point Loma moms with strollers. <laughs> and they're just like freaking you out. You know, like doing like speed walking and shit. I kid you not, like within the span of an hour, they went from yoga pants and like tank tops to like scarves and pumpkin spice lattes. And they had their boots ready. They were (laughs) on deck. They're like, it's sprinkling. Get the boots, girls. We got to put them on. The babies were all bundled up. I was like, what the fuck? Fuck. They must have this clothes in the car. They're like, oh my God, I can break out my sweater weather. It was insane. And and it was 80 degrees within half an hour. And it was humid as fuck. But yeah, yeah, in San Diego, when we have any kind of weather change it's that's not sunny, <laughs> it's an offense. I want like a day of rain. Me I want too. like I want a day off from work, and I want it to rain yeah. all day long. Oh, and nice. I want to order Chinese takeout and eat it while I have an electric blanket on. <laughs> and I'm surrounded by candles, and I just want to watch Carol Burnett. Doesn't that sound like the most that perfect sounds day you've amazing, ever heard? Actually, ever? I Would literally have an erection right now. <laughs> I, I literally just so doesn't hands. that sound like so much fun? fun yeah. Yes. Would you be a high as fuck? Oh, yeah. Have you met me? No. I want to be clear-headed and like. Yeah, enjoy the weather. Oh no! Oh, I it is early if you're saying that. It yeah. is early. Wait, <laughs> when does which bash enjoy you? clarity? Yeah, um, bashy. It happens. It ha- no, does it? Yeah, like the okay. span of eight thirty to four. Okay, see, I like to get four, fucked yeah. up right <laughs> off the bat in the morning. Like, I like and to wake stay up. fucked up. Yeah, I like to wake up and be like, nope, I don't like this day already. And just, <laughs> Ugh, horrible. Yeah. Then I just start drinking at work. Yeah. And that yeah. sort of fades into my, my afternoon. <laughs> and your evening. <laughs> <laughs> so you're an alcoholic all day, pretty much. I'm you wake up. Guilty. Have, guilty. Guilty as charged. Yeah. Okay, you guys, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we will have Miss Coco Peru. We're super excited. Yay! Be right back, you guys. Hey there, all my San Diego queens. This is Johnny McGovern of Hey Queen. And you're listening to the Who Invited Haw podcast. You're in for a fabulous show, hunties. And when you're done listening, head over to HeyQueen.tv and check out all of our fabulous interviews. And don't forget to follow us everywhere at HeyQueenTV. Take it away, my little gay babies. Hey everyone, we're back and we have a very, very special guest on the phone. She has been a voice in the LGBTQ community for over 25 years as an activist and a performer in her award-winning One Women shows, which has been seen all over the world. She has been in some of the most iconic gay films such as Trick, Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, Wigstock, and one of my personal favorites, Girls Will Be Girls. She has also been on some of the biggest TV shows such as Will and Grace and Arrested Development. She's also interviewed some of the biggest stars in Hollywood with her series, Conversations with Coco. And she's reached a whole new generation of new fans with her widely popular YouTube channel. It is comedian, actor, actress, and one of the best storytellers ever. We love her and adore her. It is Miss Coco Peru. Good morning. Hello. How are you? Very, very well. It's early for us, but <laughs> thank you. It is. It's early for me too. But yeah. you know, if I don't get things done right at the top of the morning, then you know I forget. So I set my alarm so I would remember this phone call. That's how I am too. Last night I just watched some TV, relaxed, went to bed at a decent time, got up early, had my coffee, and ready to go. <laughs> so my first question for you, Coco, is for some of the people who may not 
be familiar with you because they're probably living under a rock. How did Coco get started? Where did Coco come from in all of that history? I uh, trained to be an actor in college and um, realized that it was going to be difficult for me because I was so gay and um, was always being told to butch up by my teachers. And uh, it, it was just... I just and I always, and I always knew that I had a per- big personality in college, so people would come to see me in a show, not necessarily uh, to see me lose myself in a character. Do you know what I mean? They were coming actually to see yeah. me rather than uh, so. I and I admired people like Bette Midler because I I knew that uh, I w- if I was watching Bette Midler, it wasn't because. I wanted to lose myself in a character that she created. I was wanted to see Bette Midler, and I kind of identified with that. I knew that people were coming to see me just to be a clown mm. on some level, <laughs> and um, and also I had the Bronx accent, which they were not happy about. But I I noticed that the other students in my class would want to talk like me. Yeah, and they were trying to you know. So it was it was it was just one of those places where I started to realize that um, I. I was more of a personality than an actor. Okay. Um, and then when I graduated college, I wasn't working at all. It was terrible. And then I, I got very caught up in being inspired by coming out my gay history. You know, back then there was no internet, so you had to go to bookstores and find books. And I was devouring books. Uh, and then I was totally uh, affected by coming out during the height of the AIDS crisis or yeah. during, you know, during all of that. So I, could, I wanted to be an activist, but I wasn't mature enough to take all of that on. Yeah. And um, it kind of, it, it scared me. So um, I, I remember just thinking like, what can I do? And I knew that part of my journey was that I grew up around a lot of funny storytellers and I knew that storytelling changed people's minds. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I was going to be a storyteller, and then one day I had this idea to do it in drag. And and as soon as I thought that and said it out loud, I literally felt my whole life align in that moment, and there was no turning back. And I was terrified. Oh, I bet. But my I always say that my um, my my vision was bigger than my fears. Mm. So when you were so I, when you were younger, what books were you reading? Because there was no internet or YouTuber, all of that. So where did you find your inspiration? And I love that you said Bette Miller because that was like, I was obsessed with her when I was in sixth grade. My obsession with Bette Miller started. <laughs> and it was because of my mom and my uncle and stuff. So she's a, she's like my number one. I love her. Everything she does. Yeah, and I, I, was, I remember as a young kid uh, listening to a comedy album that my parents had called The Jewish American Princess. <laughs> and the and the woman who played the mother on this album was B. Arthur. And then we also had the album of Fiddler on the Roof, and I was obsessed with that musical from a really young... I used to wear, I'm not Jewish, but I used to wear a yarmulke around the house. <laughs> um, so, 
I, I put put together that Yenza, the matchmaker, was yeah. the same woman on this comedy album, and I, so I was obsessed with B. Arthur's voice even before I knew who B. Arthur was. And you did. And, B. Arthur uh, was on Conversations with Coco. She was, wasn't she your first guest on that series? Yes, right? she was my first guest. Oh, yeah, that must have been amazing to talk to her and like she be was friends a, with her and all that. Yes, it was truly one of those um, moments. Well, just being a friend of hers, it was it never, I told her, I said, I, you know, I, I will never stop being a fan. I, I, you know, I know we're friends, but I'm, I'm a fan first. And, and I, it just never failed to amaze me that as this kid, if you had told me one day that I'd be, you know, and be Arthur's home hanging out with her, it just would have seemed completely impossible. And yet it happened. And, and it's because I chose to do drag and live my truth. So I, you know, I'm, it was B. Arthur's friendship was one of those signs that I ch- I made the right choice in my life. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome! And as far as books, I mean, I've yeah. read I I don't even remember some, but I know I read um, Paul Monet's book, and I think it was called Becoming a Man. I mm-hmm. I, I can't even remember. And one of the books I do remember was How to Come Out to Your Parents. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> my gosh! <laughs> Nowadays, kids watch a YouTube channel. How to? Uh, yeah, yeah, how to? And I went and found books about how I should come out to my parents. And it was so useful. I I wrote a letter, mm-hmm. and I wrote everything I wanted to say to them. And then the other good advice that book gave me was, do not cry when you come out to your parents. Wow. They'll see that as a sign of weakness. Oh, wow. And you need to be strong for your parents and, and, and allow them to ask stupid questions. That was the <laughs> other thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so how did the na- – I love this story. I've, I've heard you tell it before on another interview. But for people who may not know, um, how did the name Coco Peru come about? I had a boyfriend at the time before I did drag from Peru. Mm-hmm. And I went to his country. And we were in a drag uh, – well, no, we were in a gay bar, which at that time you had a knock on the door. And they would open this little slot to see if you looked gay, and they'd let you in. <laughs> and, uh, so it was, and and you know it was a very Catholic, macho kind of society. Yeah. And um, I met this young, cute boy named Coco. I was introduced to him, and then he disappeared and came out as this. They announced Coco, and he came out as this beautiful, beautiful Las Vegas-looking showgirl drag queen. And I couldn't believe that was the same person. And he was very famous in Peru, and that inspired me that someone who chose to live that kind of life could cross over into his his mainstream culture that was so macho and and, um, Catholic and really be celebrated. People loved him. And I thought... There is something powerful about, like I said earlier, living your truth, stepping outside your box, and the courage that that takes. And people, I think the human brain is wired to celebrate that, or as homophobic as they are. And I think RuPaul's Drag Race is, is you know, evidence of that as well. Yeah. I knew when RuPaul's Drag Race first came on TV, I was at my niece's house in Florida, and her next-door neighbor, listen, yeah, Italian from New York, <laughs> with her two prepubescent girls come over for a holiday with yeah. the, their Italian husband. And the mother goes off about this new show, RuPaul's Drag Race. And do I, knew, do I know RuPaul? And, oh, my God, it's the best show. <laughs> and in that moment, I realized this is going to be huge. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think RuPaul's... And I was right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's as huge. <laughs> <laughs> I think RuPaul's Drag Race completely changed, even just making it so easier for this younger generation to come out and feel more accepted um, and all of that and to express themselves in so many different ways. So we've yeah. been we've been tossing around this idea a couple times on the podcast about a RuPaul Legends season. I know. <laughs> which... We think you would be. I've heard that rumor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How, would you do RuPaul's Drag Race like a Legends, um, like season? And who would you want to be up against? Yeah. I well, I think it would be absolutely terrifying to do because I'm not competitive. <laughs> oh. But I do. But I do love hanging out with because I'm a solo performer. I'm always yeah. traveling alone. Yeah. So when I had the opportunity to, when I was touring with uh, the Drag Queens of Comedy or I work on a Peaches Christ show, I absolutely love being in a community of other drag queens. Mm-hmm. So I would do it for that. Uh-huh. I'm, and I would be probably sent home first. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't sew. My makeup skills are not great. And, uh, you know, who wants to listen to a drag queen do a 10-minute monologue? I do. You know, on, a, on a show that's not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I, um, I would do it for, for that reason, just yeah. to be around. I just think it would be hilarious. Who would you like to be on the show with, like the other legendary queens? Well, of course. I mean, Lady Bunny, <laughs> Jackie B, Varla Jean Merman. Um, who else? Peaches Christ, nice. Heckelina, all of us old broads. I think yeah. it would be hilarious. There's so <laughs> much Sherry Vine. Oh, I just saw, we just saw Sherry Vine and Jackie Bead at Martini's, where you're going to yeah. be um, yeah. November 3rd and 4th. They put on such a good show. And Jackie had a, um, she had a joke about you in the show saying, you've had a career for 25 years with one wig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, she, she heard, she heard that I talk about her in my show. Yeah. So she probably is like, you know, preparing the audience yeah. for, for, for my joke. But the funny thing is, is that we're all, we're all good friends and we've known each other for years. And, and I think that um, people are surprised that, you know, it, well, mm-hmm. maybe not so much anymore, but I, I feel like us old boards who have lasted so long, there's a mutual respect for each other yeah. that we've survived yeah how what i my other question is what has been your secret to the longevity of such a long career doing drag doing this performance um especially with how the drag race and all of that is now where there's a lot of look queens and instagram queens but yet you're still you're still touring and more popular than ever and like found two mortgages Two more. <laughs> that inspires you to work. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, but I, 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 I knew early on. Mm-hmm. Well, again, w- if you think about when I was growing up, um, there was no reality TV. It was so my idols were people like Barbara Streisand, Bette Midler, Judy Garland. These, and as stereotypical as those were, I discovered those on my own in my little house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Liza Minnelli uh, going to the library, finding albums. I, I, you know, I, I, what makes a little gay boy drawn to those people? Uh, what made me as a little gay boy know that that voice of B. Arthur, just her voice alone was something special. And I had to like devour it and listen to it over and over. And I studied her timing and absorbed it. So I think my, 
the people I admire had a craft. So I knew early on when I started creating Coco, I said, I have to create something so different and outside the box of what people expect a drag queen to do that I'm going to get noticed. And, and that's what happened. I, I, I started getting reviews and people were coming. I was talking about AIDS on stage. I was not pretending to be a woman. Mm-hmm. I talked about being a little boy. I was telling autobiographical stories, which at that time people didn't really do as, in drag. So I, I created something different. And I think just trying to stay relevant all these years, I was lucky enough to get to Wong Fu and then Trick and then Girls Will Be Girls. And then YouTube came along and I started making silly videos that people <laughs> seem to enjoy. Yeah, like the the grand. And Left I have teenage video. girls that are fans now. You yeah, know, it's just amazing. To me. And their moms. Oh wow! Yeah, like the Grand Theft Auto video you did like blew up, and all like the Coco at Harvard, Coco goes to Walgreens. All of those have been like so amazing. They're just silly. They're really silly. But yeah. the, you know, I just had a guy that I apparently went to high school with. He was a year older, but he came with people I knew in high school to my show in New York. And he said, wow, I, I was so impressed when I was on, in some small town in Italy a, in a cafe, and there were a group of people sitting around watching your videos. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Like Italian watching my videos. Yeah. <laughs> Do you I ask- once got a, a – listen, I once got an email. Uh, I'm devastated because I can't, I can't find it. You know how you I – ju- I, it was – Oh. But anyway, um, it was from the Vatican. What? Are you serious? Yes, and there was a priest at the writing to me from the Vatican to say that he had watched my uh, one of my specials that was on Logo. They had the DVD. I think it was the one with Jackie B. And 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 I was sick as a dog when we filmed that. I mortified by the performance but anyway they watched it with, with the, you know all these gay priests were sitting around watching this oh when the bishop gosh. the bishop walked in and they were like <gasps> and the bishop <laughs> sat down watched it and and then the bishop said when it was all over the bishop said that coca peru is doing god's work oh, oh my god that is my god. i'm literally doing the sign of the cross right now like <laughs> That's amazing. Funny. So anyway, isn't that amazing? To crack you never that know who nut. you got to touch. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Figuratively and literally. But. And that bishop went home and, well, I won't say it. <laughs> do, you, do you think also, too, you have such an iconic look to Coco. Do you think mm-hmm. that adds to the success of Coco, too, being a storyteller, one of the best storytellers. If anybody hasn't seen one of your live shows, they need to. It's 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 amazing. Like it's you're like a monologuist, like one of the best that I've seen. So I, well, thank I my my when I see Coco, it's like more relatable because I'm like, oh, I know that lady. She she went to church with me. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. It's like one of my mom's right. friends. Or like, I remember she's like one of the ladies in the neighborhood. So I don't <laughs> yeah, know if that, that was... I do, think, I do think that that is... Uh, what people love about Coco is that she looks like someone they knew. Or she sounds like someone they knew. Yeah. Right. And I get a lot of that. You remind me of my aunt. You remind me of my grandma. You remind me... You know, so I do get a lot of that. Was that and intentional? I it. I, it doesn't bother me. And when I created Coco, I again was using my my icons like Barbara. Uh, you know, I knew Barbara Streisand. Part of what I loved about her was that she had a big nose, and that it. And that I knew as a kid that she, people talked about it, and she didn't change it. And in fact, 
she stayed a step ahead of everyone and, you know, had these album covers of her in silhouette with this giant nose sort of saying, yeah, that's my nose. I, and that inspired me as a kid. Liza Minnelli's hair. Right. I remember thinking, like, she's got a look. And later, Klaus Nami uh, in the silhouettes, uh, you know, I don't know if you know who he was, but he was a uh, gay uh, performer. You've got to look up Klaus Nami if you Klaus don't know Nami. who he is, who worked with Joey Arias. So, uh, yeah, Joey Arias all these sort of silhouettes and these, these looks that were iconic spoke to me. So I decided early on that um, Coco Peru was going to have a look. Yeah. And, well, um, and it wasn't... Originally, it wasn't the flipped wig, but when I finally got around to that flipped wig, it, it, I realized this is the look. Right. Well, and I think that just makes you, and Lady Bunny and RuPaul, because you guys have all kind of, you know, kind of kept some consistency. It makes you a pivot point within the community, and everybody can recognize that and mm-hmm. circle around it. Um, yeah. And I have tried to change my look, and I, I talk about it in this show that I'm bringing again to... San Diego, you know, people just were not having it. <laughs> <laughs> so, within your career, how how many actually how many actual wigs have you had doing Coco? Is it always been the same one, or do you like refresh <laughs> it every couple years? Uh, no, I well, it's not been the same one. They do wear out after a while, but I have. But surprise, maybe not so. I haven't had a lot when you think about how many years I've been doing this. Mm-hmm. I don't can't I can't count how many I've had, but it isn't actually I mean, I wouldn't say it's more than ten. Wow. Nice. <laughs> Miriam's like Jesus. Miriam's doing the sign of the cross. <laughs> but, you know, when I, when I, I know, but when I travel, uh the other you know, I I remember uh being backstage and detox and, and Raja and <laughs> and uh, they were all laughing at me. Willem uh, uh, Trixie has left him because I open up my suitcase and I'm so organized and everything's in boxes and I, I wrap my dr- and Roger was like are you wrapping your dress in tissue paper? I, I was like yeah like don't you? <laughs> they just everyone? throw things in bags and it, the, uh, they're so messy some of those queens and it, yeah. it, it makes me it bothers me it gives, it right gives me a little anxiety too when I see the shoe hauls yeah. from them and oh, stuff I'm like oh my god there's stuff everywhere so with, with the newer <laughs> with the newer queens from RuPaul's Drag Race, who do you see nowadays with the newer queens that you're a fan of, that you've become a fan of, or you that, see some longevity yeah. potential? Oh, well, I I love. Um, well, I, I'm just I'm so thrilled. First of all, for Willem and Shangela that they're in this new movie, A Star Is Born. Yes. Um, and they're so excited about it, and I, I, I just, I, I, I keep hoping now that the picture wins best picture, oh, just so Shangela and Willem can say they were in a movie that, you know, the yeah, an Oscar award winning movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just is amazing to me, and um, so I, I, I've known them, and I've known Willem since he's very young, and and I worked with Shangela many years ago on a TV show, and understood right away these two have something special. Yeah. Um, and Willem, as crazy as he is, he's actually very smart. Um, yeah, uh, I love working with Alaska. Uh, yeah, like, she's one of my super, favorites. super talented person and very theatrical. I, lo- I love him, her. <laughs> and, um, I worked with, years ago, I worked with Bianca uh, on a cruise. And uh, it was so funny because 
I, you know, there were people on the cruise that were coming fans of mine, and and then she'd get up and 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 make fun of me. And at the time, oh. people didn't know her like they know her now. Yeah. And they'd be very upset that, you know, she had spoken so ill of me on the stage. And I would, I, what made me laugh was that, you know, Bianca is such a sweet person. We would actually get together and, and write the jokes together. And I would actually tell her some of the things to say about me. You know, so it's just very funny. But I knew oh Bianca gosh. had something special back then to be this, you know, so, so insulting. But... I loved it. I, I, I encouraged her to make fun of me. I love, I love all of that. So there's, there's so many coming off of that show that have um, Jinx Monsoon's wonderful. Mm. Um, I like Jinx Monsoon. So, her whole vaudevillians in the album. She yeah, it's did. wonderful. So it's it's She's original. A She's a yeah, singer. she has a great voice. Yeah. yeah. And I think RuPaul's Drag Race is starting to understand that if they're going to choose a winner, they want to choose someone that um, can go and represent the show mm-hmm. with a great show. Right. Yeah, for sure. And then look what Trixie's done with her her time and on. And I remember, yes, um, and years ago, Trixie Mattel, we did a, an event together and, and, and um, talk about a messy suitcase. But <laughs> oh anyway, um, we got together in her, in her hotel room for lunch, and I took my lunch, and we were sitting, and she started asking me questions about writing a show, and she's, said, you know, I want to do what you're doing. And I, I gave her some advice and realizing that she's serious, like she really wants to do this and she did it. So yeah. that's, you know, that's I really awesome. celebrate that. Yeah, she's really blown up lately. Yeah. Her, ever she, since her yeah. All-Stars win. She's mm-hmm. really, you know, with her makeup line and her second album, she's yeah. great. Yeah, for sure. It's you- crazy. They make so much money. It's insane. <laughs> Katia too. Very yeah. sweet. I love them. What do you think of DragCon? You just were you were just at New York DragCon, RuPaul's DragCon. I did the right? New York because I was doing my show in New York, so yeah. it worked out nicely that I could be there for DragCon. I absolutely love DragCon. I mean, the first year I went out here in LA, I heard some queens bitching about it, like, oh, you know, it's exhaust or whatever. And I said, wait a second, people are waiting on lines mm-hmm. to give you money. And to tell you how much they love you. And buy your merch. Why are you complaining? Oh exactly. My exactly. <laughs> I went to DragCon for the first Count time. Count your blessings. <laughs> right? <laughs> I went to DragCon for the first time with my brother this last this year. Um, mm-hmm. And it was the first time we went. And we went in, on Mo- Mother's Day the in L.A. And it is a lot to take in Like for the first time. There is so much to look at. And it's just like a, it's a really cool vibe, but it's like, it's a lot. And it, we had the, we had such a good time and we met so many really cool people that are just yeah. genuinely, genuine fans of drag. And it's, it was nice to see moms with their kids. Oh there. yeah. I have parents. Oh, so crazy. I have straight dads come up to me with their gay kids. And, you know, thank the parents are thanking me. I mean, that is really, I'm, this is the world I envisioned when I was young. This was one of my goals was to create a world where kids wouldn't have to go through the crap I went through. And to see parents doing that, or whenever I have parents come with their their child, and I don't care how old the child is, it, it could be a grown man that brings his mom. I look at that parent and I make sure to thank them for being a wonderful parent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, it's amazing to me. Yeah, because I know even when I was younger, we you can never, there was nothing like that. 
had when I was in high school no. or anything. And when me and my brother came out, oh, God forbid. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. fact that RuPaul's Drag Con exists like, yeah. blows my mind. I know, and me too. The, and it has the fanfare of like Comic-Con. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah, no, it's great. It, it, it's, 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 it's amazing. It really is amazing. Yeah, when you think to, back. To like, it's, like I remember thinking back when I was a kid and just being like, this is how it's always going to be. Yeah, it's always going to like, it's not going to get better or whatever. And then now being in my forties going like, God, who would have known? Like, such a huge oh, I know. Yeah. These kids are so lucky. These days, these younger kids. I know they're lucky. God, so I lucky. would have had more sex. <laughs> Me too. I would have screwed up <laughs> about gay sex. I would, oh. now what I know, I would have been, oh, I would have been doing it in drag. I would have been any, any which way. Yeah. I would have gotten paid probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too late. You can still well, get paid for it. <laughs> yeah, there's some freaks out there. You, yeah. you, you. <laughs> Miriam's talking from experience. <laughs> I don't judge. <laughs> so I have another question for you, Coco. I, one of my favorite movies that you've ever been in and that you did was Girls Will Be Girls. Um, and there has always been a rumor of Girls Will Be Girls 2. So I wanted to know if that is ever going to happen. I know you guys filmed it, right? Yes, we filmed it. And um, it's one of those things that really just kind of makes me crazy that, um, you know, we did a Kickstarter. We raised a little bit of money. We filmed it. And Richard Day, who wrote and directed the first one and wrote the second one and directed it, you know, took it upon himself to uh, edit, you know, the first mm-hmm. time around there was an actual crew. This time around it was just him and friends volunteering. So it's, he's just never finished it. And I'm so sorry to the people that donated money. And I, yeah. I feel badly for the fans that have been waiting for this to come out. And I don't know where he is with it. And when I ask him, he's in typical Richard <laughs> always has a sarcastic answer that's very, uh, you know, typical of uh, his humor, but um, at the same time, I feel badly because he's not out there dealing with the fans who keep asking me what happened with Girls Will Be Girls too. So I don't know what's happened with it. I don't yeah. even remember what it was about. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I love the first movie. It was one it. of my favorites. The <laughs> first one, you and Varla Jean Merman and Jack Plotnick. Oh, so good! It was so good because I remember seeing and it as a, a a a series, like a YouTube series. Like I believe first. Well, originally it was a movie. Yes, the movie and came out first. That's right. And, and then, then we filmed a couple of. Uh, when Richard Day was not working because of the writer strike, he decided to make a, a few of these little um, videos, and that and that that's what happened. And it was supposed that was originally going to be a TV series God, on Showtime. Yeah, on Showtime. That's what I remember. Oh, wow, hearing. really? Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. Yes, um, and then it, they they passed last minute and, oh. and went with something um, different. And we, I was devastated, and I said to Richard, "Well, why don't we just make our own movie?" And he said, "Okay, let's do that." And then. He, uh, I mean, I love Richard. I mean, mm-hmm. so he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars of his own, destroyed his house, uh, making the first one. And I showed up thinking we were going to make a video. Like I make my little shopping video, yeah. you know, him with the camera. And he had a whole crew there and, um, I was very intimidated. Wow. And, um, also I didn't think 
my part was funny. Oh, it was hilarious. I, you know, Jack and Barlow are hilariously funny with the lines, and I had this sort of sad sack character, and the crew never laughed at anything I was doing, but they were having to stop themselves from laughing at Barlow. I just felt like a loser the first week, but then I committed to just the the film and playing the role of Coco in the movie yeah. as honestly as I could. And it, I was happy with the way I did it. And it's gotten such a cult following since it was released. Like it is like one of those movies like um Elvira Mistress of the Dark. It has like a just a cult following. Like it has a a very hardcore group of fans. <laughs> yeah. That I and, love and like, Jack and Varla were both great to work with because we authentically really like each other, but also none of us wanted to steal the movie. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We all wanted to, um, we all like each other. So we, we wanted, we understood that the movie would be better if we all shine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, um, when did you, when you did to Wong Fu, did you have a chance to actually interact with Patrick Swayze, the late, great Patrick Swayze? Very much so. Yeah. Very much. How was he? Patrick Swayze, would call me at home really, and just, yes. And ask me all sorts of questions about doing drag in my life. And I, you know, just, he was studying. God, when I was younger, I used to have uh, the biggest crush on him. Oh my God. And God. he was, he, it was easy to get a crush on him. He was very, um, very masculine and very, uh, but had this really wonderful, soft, generous side to him. I absolutely loved him. Mm. And he even, um, I remember one night we were, I, I don't know if it was a rap party or something, but he had a party at his restaurant. And um, there's a picture, like, uh, in it was in one of the newspapers. And um, he, he, like, grabbed me and pulled me and sat me on his lap. And I was like, <laughs> oh, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> What is the story yeah, of, with the cup in Ti Wong Fu? Well, you were telling I, me before we started yeah. recording, or someone was telling me, it was I you, was, right? Yeah, because we that's yeah, how but, I knew you. I was like, because for some reason, that, that moment in that movie stuck out to me and my brother for the movie. And we used to, whenever we were mad at each other and then we were like, had a plastic cup or whatever, we used to always do crush the cup and make the cocoa look and throw it at each other. And we did that for like the longest time until Trick came out. And then we're like, it's the cup queen. It's the cup queen. <laughs> Cause that's how we knew you was the cup queen. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't read the credits where it actually said no, my name. Uh, no. We were like 18. You're too lazy to do that. <laughs> no. I was <laughs> uh, the cup queen. I love that. That's amazing. The cup queen. And I am the cup queen. I, um, I went, to, I think, you know, listeners, some listeners probably heard this story before, yeah. but I went to the audition and being an, an actor who was trained in the theater, I really didn't, I thought I was going to be the only one called into the room, you know, one by one, yeah. and we would do something to audition for this big Hollywood movie. And I opened the door and it was this big dance studio with the creme de la creme, and like every direct queen from New York was in this room, all competing for a big Hollywood movie. And I just thought, leave, run, get out of here. Oh. This is so intense. And uh, like I said, I don't love competition. And I just, ooh. and then they lined us up in two rows. 
and we were facing mm-hmm. each other. And one by one, we had to walk down the run, this imaginary runway, and then you know a catwalk and and work it, yeah. you know. And they put on this music, and you know Candace Kane, who I was friends with, she goes that you're doing splits and whatnot. <laughs> the next one goes out, and I just thought I. If I do that, my wig's going to fall off and I'm going to fall like this. I just don't do this. I do. I stand and do monologues. How am I going to? And I was mortified. And I saw a cup sitting on a table and I just ran over and grabbed it. And I said, this will be a prop. (laughs) And I'm going to do the. And this is in seconds. I'm all putting this together. And I thought, and I'm going to just do the. uh, These girls are giving their all. I'm going to do the opposite and give them absolutely nothing (laughs) except this cup. Oh my god, that is so amazing. I made my face as dead as I could. I walked the runway. I got to the one point where we we're supposed to, you know, work it a little bit. I took a sip. I walked to another pole. I took another sip. I walked to the third pole. I took it. and then I walked back center, pretend to finish the cocktail, and then sort of smirked and just crushed the glass. <laughs> and when I turned around oh, I had to walk past all these queens again that are lined up, and as I walked by them all they were going, girl, that was fierce. Oh and I just felt so happy that I was fierce in the eyes of all these other queens that I thought were so fierce. And um, I didn't even care at that time if I got the movie or not. I just felt like I had held my own in that room. Oh, and um, in fact, I thought, well, I didn't, I was sure I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And then they called me and said, we want, you to, we want you in the movie and we want you to do exactly what you did at the audition. And the sad part is that that whole opening was much longer. And there was a setup that they cut out where every time I go to walk the runway, Patrick Swayze would cut me off. There were three times. And the third time he cuts me off, I pull a gun out of my purse. <laughs> and I walk the runway pointing the gun at the back of Patrick Swayze. Oh my god, that would have been amazing. I hope there's like an uncut version that comes out with that scene. Well, if you look at the movie again, if you ever have the opportunity, when they pan by all of us, you'll see I'm holding a gun. (laughs) And people actually said, why is Coco holding a gun there? Well, that's why. There was a whole setup that they cut out. Wow. Well, I know uh, what I'm watching. This yeah. <laughs> that one scene of you crushing the cup obviously left a huge imprint in me and my brother's life because he did it for many years until Trick came out. So, yeah. Well, that's because there wasn't a lot of drag back then. Now it would just get lost in the shuffle. There's so much drag. But back then, you know, those those were, the, you know, yeah, few and far sure. between uh, healthy gay representations although i think that movie was silly in in the way it portrayed drag queens living in drag 24 mm-hmm. 7 i thought no drag queen goes to bed in full drag unless she's drunk <laughs> marion did that last night yeah, i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> what do you mean last night there was never a night yeah oh, there was yeah, no that's night true. she's still i'm she's still, still going <laughs> That's why she's so quiet. You're, I know. I, Miriam T's quiet for the one time the only. One time. Mary's living with her eyes open. Yep. I'm alert. <laughs> Don't worry. I have questions. Fear not. Fear Do not. You? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, my question is, uh, I read an interview with you, um, Ed, that talked about your process of writing that always, that said, uh, I think you said that you book a show before you write one. Is that right? 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. so what's that's I kind of feel that with me. I book so many because I'm a stand up comedian here, and I book so many shows. And I was like, well, what the hell am I going to talk about? I booked it, and they're paying me, and I have to show up. So what's your process with that? I found early my first show ever. I called the club and booked the show, gave them a date, and I gave myself three months to come up with the whole character, write a show, get music, and um, and I've done that ever since then. I just find that having a deadline is what motivates me. Mm. I've seen, I've talked to so many people over the years that say, I want to write a show. And I say, so write it. And, you know, 10 years later, I'll see them. Say, Did you ever write your show? No, but I still want to write it. You know, and I think, mm, they need, need a, a deadline, deadline sweetheart. I yeah. need a deadline. So I find deadlines help. Mm-hmm. And, um, in fact, when I did the Taming of Detention the first time at Martinis above Fort, that was the first time I ever did that show. Really? I premiered it at Martinis. That's kind of why I want to bring it back is because when you go out on tour with the show, you it gets into your body and you're just so much more familiar with it. But the day of my opening at Martinis, I had a nervous breakdown here in my house where I was literally on the floor crying because the guy who does my music tracks hadn't even gotten them to me yet. And I had to leave to get to the thing. And then he sent them and they were corrupt. They like, they didn't come right. And I'm trying to, and he's a teacher. So I'm trying to get through to him. He's not answering. It was, and you know, I had a show that night. So it's, it's just, you know, everything that's part of the business and part of going, going through it. But, um, I think that's part of the reason why I want to bring it back to, to San Diego is because I feel so comfortable with it now. It's in my body. And there were a lot of people that didn't get to see it the first time yeah. around. So I said, sure. And I love Martinez above fourth. Oh, I love, I love that San venue. Diego. So I said, sure. Yeah. Is it, you're so lucky to have that venue in your city. It's, they, they've done a great job. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Such a great with, intimate. Um, yeah, it's such a great intimate setting. I love Martinez. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen so many good so many good acts there. Yeah, it's the not, food is good. And, and the other thing is, is that the audience in San Diego, from what I gather, is that they don't even necessarily need to know who the performer is. They, they nope. just know the reputation of Martinez, and mm-hmm. they'll go see a show mm-hmm. just because it's Martinez now, which is really wonderful. Yeah, it's so true. I went and saw Miss Richfield there, and half of the audience wasn't familiar with her. I, I had known her because a couple of my friends have been fans of hers for a long time. But after, like, she was on stage for maybe a couple minutes, the audience didn't care who she was. They were in, invested in the show 100%. And even the yeah. same when we saw um, Catherine Alcorn, who is a Bette Midler. She does a Bette Midler's act from beginning to end, and she does, um, like, an... Um, a tribute show to her and I had never known her. Mm-hmm. I just saw that she was coming to martinis and I love martinis. That's a great venue, great food, great drinks. Um, and I saw, we, me and Robbie bought tickets, went to go see her and it was one of the best shows <laughs> that I've seen. She put on yeah, a killer show. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that you, you, you do that and that that space exists there. Um, and I, I, you know, a lot of cities don't have, those spaces and you're so lucky that san diego um has a wonderful cabaret room that's successful yeah and the guys who's done martinis they've just done a great job with their reputation and the 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 talent that they bring in so whether whoever it is that's going to be on that that 
that stage that night, you know, as an audience member, you're going to get top-notch show, no matter who it is. Right. And I think they've done right. such a good job in San Diego doing that. And that's why they've been yeah. so successful. And I can't wait to see your show. We we already bought tickets and everything. We got like two tables. Oh, that's great! Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and if and you know the first time I did it, the, the, you 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 didn't see it the first time I did it there. No, I wasn't able to. No, okay. So the first time I did it there, the first night, it was. Now, try to remember. I had the breakdown already earlier that day. <laughs> As I'm driving down to San Diego, I get a text from my manager that my hotel has changed. There had been a flood in the hotel I was supposed to be staying in. Oh, my so God. Now, now I don't know where I'm driving to, and my phone's about to die. So I have directions to um, this other hotel. Yeah. Now I don't know where I'm going. My phone has to die. So I have to pull into a gas station now and plug in my phone. Oh my God! I would be re- reroute myself. I get to that hotel anyway. It, it was just, a, and I do my show that night. And you know, there was a drunk woman at my show, oh God. sitting with these two gay guys, and they didn't all know each other. And she was saying things out loud, and she thought she was being supportive, but it was really distracting. And I could oh, see that no. the people around her were getting very annoyed. So I spoke to her and then finally I said, you know, you need to leave. You're, you're, you're actually ruining the show for everyone. So she gets up to leave. And then the two gay guys that she was sitting with, who I maybe had been drinking, they start yelling at me. What? For, yes, that she was a very nice person and you, sh- how dare you do that? And then, so they got up and left. And I started crying on stage. I said, you know, guys, you have no idea what I've been through trying to just get this show here. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I've, I've written 30 pages of dialogue that I is still trying to, re, you know, fresh in my head. Was, it was torture. Uh-huh. I got through it. And then the next night I had two young gay guys talking throughout my show. Drunk, Jesus drunk, Christ. drunk, 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 who then were reprimanded and, and then by the staff. And then they stayed afterwards yelling. I mean, it was crazy. Oh, my, so oh my God. I, that's what I said. I don't even mind coming back to San Diego with the show just to create a new memory and hopefully yeah. not have any drug. That's the one thing that I, I'm looking forward to, why I look forward to retirement sometimes. Is I'm, <laughs> I'm, well, I'm tired of bad behavior. Oh. And it seems to get worse and worse uh, even with people just texting during my shows. Uh, um, and and I'll call them out on it. And they're like, I'm texting about your show. And it's like, no one... Do it afterwards or before. My, do it afterwards. Give me a nice review afterwards. Yeah. Why do you need to let your friend know that you're at my show? Exactly. So the Miriam you know, T does just, a... A comedy show here in San Diego, and we go yeah. and support every time she does it. The last time we went, there were these kids. I say kids because they were kids, just are oblivious that a show is going on. Full voice, full conversation on their phones, talking drama, and it's just like everybody yeah. in the audience like was turning to them and being like, "Shut the fuck up! What is Wait, wrong with you?" You people? kicked them out, yeah. didn't you? Oh, yeah. I've, I've oh verba- yeah, I verbally escorted them out of the. Yes, you, <laughs> did. you did a very good job. That yeah. night. Rest and believe, yeah. they were gone. I took away two people's cell yeah. phones last night at yeah. work. I was like, "Here, just get off your yeah. phone." Yeah, I take people's phones. Isn't it awful? Present. It's so disrespectful. It is. Um, the attention span is so so much shorter now yeah I, I it really is discouraging to me and and you 
you're working so hard to give people a moment and to feel a connection with your audience. And all it takes is one lousy person to destroy all of that. And I think these people are paying money to see me, to have this moment. Mm -hmm. They deserve the best of me. And so that's why I sometimes kick people out. And I learned something from uh, Justin Vivian Bond years ago, who I went to college with. She would kick people out, and say, but she would say, um, one of us is leaving the room. Mm. I'll let the audience decide. <laughs> oh, I that's love amazing. that. I love I that. Love yeah. that. <laughs> then the audience, the audience turns on that person. Oh, oh wow. I, I might have to steal, you might have that, to steal that one it. time. But I cannot yes, wait for your show, yours. Martinis. I cannot wait for the Martinis before show. It's going to be November 3rd and 4th, 7.30 at Martinis before the in San Diego. Mm-hmm. If people haven't gotten their tickets, they need to. They can get them on your website, CocoPeru.com, or Martinis' website, or our website. We'll have a link for all of that. But I'm really oh, excited. I'm really excited for that show. And I know, like, like yeah, I was saying. Yeah, this show really... Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, we have two tables full of people. <laughs> and I was going to ask you, great. what can people expect going to see a Coco Peru show, especially Taming of the Tension? Well, this show, for some reason, this show, I mean, I think all my shows speak to people, but people really are emotionally resonating with this show. They feel like I'm saying things that they want to hear, that they want to say themselves. And also, it's very, very... um it's personal, the show. And, um, and yet what I've always tried to do with my shows is my personal story becomes everyone else else's personal story. So uh, people really are laughing, of course, but leaving very moved by, by the show and what I have to say. And that's really exciting. Um, And I have, like I said, I've had teenagers, straight moms, straight men, and Mm -hmm. they're all telling me that the show really resonated with them so i'm i'm hoping that the san diego audience if they've seen it maybe they'll come back and 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 my husband sometimes will see my you know he sees it a lot but when he sees the show for the first time he'll come back a second time and said oh my god i didn't get that the first time around how that's connected to that and how you say this and you know so maybe people will come back and and see it in a different light and Hopefully, new people will be there as well. How long have you been? How long have you been married? I'm curious. Oh God! Um, well, we've been together 23 years, oh. and I think married for 11, maybe. What is your guys' secret? Because me and Robbie just did our nine-year anniversary. So how? <laughs> what is the secret? Yeah, uh, that's actually part of my last show, a gentle reminder, where I talk about finding the one. But oh. um, definitely. Um, you you make a commitment. Yeah. And like anything in your life, if you want it to succeed, you have to work on it. Oh, it's work. And <laughs> I I say, you know, like when you open up an account, a bank account, you keep contributing to that bank. You want to see it grow and you want returns on your investments and whatnot. That's the same with the relationship. I think it takes work. Um, and I we're both excited when we see each other grow in ways. You know, that's, I don't know, and, and there's safety. Yeah, that is um, very true. And when I first looked at my husband, when I first saw him for the first time, I mean, I thought he was very, very attractive. And then he just happened to be naked an hour <laughs> later on the beach. And I thought, well, he's really, really attractive. Um, but but what, what attracted me first to him 
was that he had kind eyes. I could tell he was a kind person. Aww. So I, I look for kind people in, yeah. in my life. Sweet. That's what happened with Rob. I was like, ugh. She's I'm too screwed. nice. I know. <laughs> I was like, I'm stuck with her. <laughs> oh, man. But thank you for that analogy. That's the first yeah. time I've been able to understand a relationship because I like money. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in terms that Bashy can understand. Yes. <laughs> now yes. you get it, Bashy. I get it. It's a bank account. <laughs> yeah, Rob, where's my return? Exactly. Jeez. He's an IRA. <laughs> I know. He's an IRA account. That one over there. <laughs> Oh, Coco, I'm so happy you were able to call in and chat with us. Oh, well, listen, I appreciate the support. I love that um, there's all these uh, queer people now putting their voice out there in the world with Mm -hmm. podcasts and whatever else there's out there. And I think I, I, I believe in all that and support it. And I'm thrilled that people still remember who I am and want to talk to me. Oh, yes. <laughs> on, a, on a Saturday morning in October. <laughs> yeah, with this podcast, it's been, it's been strange because I've been a podcast fan for years. And me and Robbie just decided one day, we're like, let's do this. So I researched for about a year and we wanted to be like the representation for San Diego because we're like looked at as the redheaded stepchild do. LA. To LA. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was like, is, we have a it, cool city. So. Is it difficult? Um, so it's been pretty, we've been pretty lucky. We get a lot of support from LA people, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But for San Diego, I think the San Diego crowd likes that we're like a little niche. We're like our own little thing way down here in California. And we have a good gayborhood and really supportive everybody's so supportive of everybody in the neighborhood it's crazy it is great yeah yeah everybody's like you know when that happens i've worked in um in different i don't want to name little cities and whatnot but i've worked (laughs) in places where businesses and people don't support each other and it's very toxic yeah yeah and then i've had the opposite experience where i've worked in towns where all the local gay businesses support each other. Mm-hmm. They all come out to help each other. Oh, yeah. And they all succeed. And that, I think there's a real, <clears throat> you know, when you all work together, you there's enough for everyone. Yeah. And, and uh, that's what I, I love find that even with my, drag, with my drag sisters. Mm-hmm. You know, there's enough for all of us, and we, you know, to celebrate each other. It's, it's great. Yeah. And San, we've been lucky in San Diego. Like, everybody's just so supportive within the community and everybody's very protective of the community too <laughs> yes and the community loves the podcast well if you if you didn't behave like that let's say it's, san diego's beautiful and yeah. you've got beautiful beaches and beautiful uh, it's just so beautiful there know, that if you didn't behave didn't behave well you'd be a bunch of assholes exactly really. <laughs> bashy oh come oh, on bashy. i'm a native i have a right yeah we're actually me and bashy were born and raised there <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> but i think i like well, the message that you have coco for a lot of the younger kids that they're able to you know be who they are now you know like a lot of the interviews you do and the stuff that i've seen that's been a, a really strong message that i've i've seen you um, talk about and stuff. Yeah, I think that's what's most important to me is that people get to be their authentic selves. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I used to do a monologue in a show, but it was about, you know, stepping outside the box and that's where um, the extraordinary happens. And, you know, when I put on Coco and I go out into the world, I have a totally different experience and people talk to me and, you know, and I think, my God, if I didn't, you know, if I didn't dress up once in a while and be out there in the world, I would never experience the world in this way. And I find it really um, fascinating how just stepping out into the world and drag changes things. Mm-hmm. Changes everything. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. such a crazy, the people's perception of you and the conversations that you have and, and where it takes you. Yeah, definitely it's, for you, yeah, Miriam. I've seen you do that going out as in boy and then being with you in drag. Oh, it's totally different. It's, it's so, a completely yeah. different experience. Yeah. People, I think, yeah. like I've noted, like being with Miriam in drag out in the public, people are more apt to be, to tell you stuff they wouldn't tell you when oh, you're... Oh, it's like you're a free fucking therapist for yeah. everybody. Like, oh, he has a yeah. wig on. Let yeah. me tell him everything. everything. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. It's, that's very interesting. And I, I... I love that part of it. Yeah. That is, um, uh, I love that. <laughs> it's so cool. Drag's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. But yes, Coco. And I think the world is discovering that. And I, I encourage everyone to do drag. Yeah. At some, <laughs> at some point in your life, do drag. At least one. It's such a liberating, yeah. <laughs> sweaty experience. Isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's just, it's just, yeah. you don't need to go to the spa if you're a drag queen. You just. <laughs> Sweat no, it all that's out. so true. <laughs> yes. Oh, but Coco, I did that once in. Yeah. in uh, I know, very quickly, I did that no, on that note. I did a show once in Australia in a tent oh, that God. they had an air conditioned. Uh, no. in Adelaide. Wait, they be did my life this sweat. They didn't I have air so conditioning. I so much. My makeup was running off my face. But when I got back oh, no. to the hotel and I undressed, I was I had lost all my water weight, and I thought. <laughs> Oh my god! I looked amazing in the mirror. So. <laughs> well, guys, the best diet ever. <laughs> when I come back from Australia this yeah, spring, you, I'm gonna be thin. I know. <laughs> I'm just you gonna sweat Australia. it all out. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. But I'm so thankful you were able to make time for us, Coco, because I've been a fan of yours for so long. And like, I was telling Robbie like before you were gonna call him, I'm like, oh my god, I'm so nervous. I hope I. <laughs> I'm act like a complete moron. <laughs> but it's no, like one of those no. things like when I think of Coco Peru, it I memories of you and how you've influenced just me as a, a gay man ever since I was 18, ever since you were the cup queen until now. <laughs> so for me <laughs> well, it's been an I honor think, talking to I you. think that's wonderful. And I, I love hearing that. And I think you'll appreciate this show because I talk about the people in my life that were that for me. Yeah. And, um, so it's, it's wonderful to hear that, you know, that I am that for you, but I can't wait to share some of my stories where I talk about some of the people that, um, got me to where I am. And that is going to, and that's part of Taming of Detention, your show that you're going to be doing yeah. at Martinis. So everybody needs to get tickets. Martinis of a fourth, November 3rd and 4th, a 7.30 show. Um, get your tickets at Martinis of a fourth website, cocoperu.com. And then we'll have links on all of our social media and our website so you can go see Coco when she comes to San Diego. And she's not just going to be in San Diego. You're still touring all over the place, so... She may be coming to a city near you, and you can get all of Coco's yeah. tour dates on your website, cocoperu.com, and we'll have them listed on our website. 
So if people want to check you out when you Thank get you. to a city near you. And also, Coco, when if you when you do come to San Diego, if you get a chance to go to Inside Out, it's a new restaurant in San Diego, um, in the neighborhood, and it's very like how would you say elevated elevated it's It's, swanky it's it's lovely it's posh they will be playing parts of this interview and our podcast in the bathrooms on loop (laughs) how lucky are we i know it's like trick all over again very much (laughs) i always end up in the bathroom (laughs) yeah so they're gonna we're putting like we're working with them and their fans of the podcast so they want to Put us on loop so when people are using their bath, finally <laughs> they hear us. It'll be something other than me. Can just- you imagine like someone being in the bathroom and literally getting involved in the podcast and then, you know, just sitting on the bowl like, this is yeah. interesting. I'm just going to hang out here for a little while. hang out there. They just go order drinks, bring them to the bathroom. That's my, that's my goal in life, oh. yeah. I want to win someone over in a fucking stall in the bathroom. It's going to happen it's right here happen. in San Diego. Here in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Coco Peru, thank you so much. It's been an absolute thank pleasure Thank you, and I'll see you soon, you. okay? Yes, we thank will see you. you when you come to Martinis. All right. Thank Thank you, Love Coco. to all of you. <laughs> Thank Bye, you. Coco. Bye, Coco. Bye, Bye Coco. Hey, lovelies, you have even more options to listen to Who Invited Her, so you can always get your weekly dose of regrets. We're now available on Spotify under podcasts, Amazon Echo by enabling the skill MyCast, the Radio Public app, and if you're in the San Diego area and you want to stay in the know on everything happening in the Hillcrest neighborhood, download the Hillcrest social app and catch the show there, too. Whatever app you listen to us on, please make sure to subscribe, rate us no less than five stars, leave a rave review, and tell all of your friends. Because let's face it, you're just cool like that. You guys, wasn't she amazing? Oh, I love Coco Peru. Absolutely, yeah. She was super fun. I know. I'm so excited to see her <laughs> I know, show. I'm so excited to see her show. And again, you guys, she's going to be Martinis above 4th here in San Diego, November 3rd and 4th, 7.30 show. You can get to the tickets at her website, cocoperu.com. Our website will have a link to Martinis above 4th, so you can get tickets there. Um, go check her out. It is going to be an amazing show. Yeah. Yeah, and if you third. go on the third, you get to hang out with us. So. Yeah, we'll be there on the third. <laughs> Miriam will be there in the flesh. And Miriam T will be there in all of her glory. Oh, I gotta figure out what I'm gonna wear. I know. <laughs> I just got eight new dresses, so. Oh, but you guys, that is it for us today. So you can follow the podcast at Who Invited Her underscore. What is it, Rob? Who invited her underscore podcast? God, who invited her underscore podcast on Instagram? Um, Who invited her SD on Facebook and Twitter? And then you can uh, shut up, Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can always email us, you guys, at the gang at whoinvitedher.net. We love hearing from you. DM us, send us questions, whatever you want to hear. Um, next week, you guys, we have one of our podcast friends, one of our podcast favorites is calling in, and we're going to catch up with him, Eddie Danger. The love of my life. Sexy <laughs> and adorable Eddie Danger, who we love and adore. Yes. He was at DragCon, so he has stories. So and he's at both this year? 
Yeah, he did both. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's gonna be calling. You know, in Eddie next likes week. to do both. Hey, yeah, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> Get it, but um, yeah. Look at she's finally woken up. We need up a drum jokes. set in here. I know we yeah. do. Yeah, one more thing for Tony to fuck around with. <laughs> yeah, Thank I know. That's idea. what we need. <laughs> As if but the yes. soundboard isn't enough. So Eddie is calling in next week, and then the week after that, we have the guys from West Forties, the YouTube series, hilarious about. Came in in the oh, 40s. Yeah, you it's like a queer as folk. I watched a few episodes. Yeah. yeah, super, super funny. So they're coming on, and then after that, we have our Halloween extravaganza. Yes, <laughs> I'm super excited. We are going to have San Diego's creepiest queen, Grotesca, is going to be on, and then we have we have Autumn Lynn, who is a top Elvira impersonator, and she's actually uh, friends with Cassandra, so she has yeah. lots of fun stories. So we'll talk to her all about Elvira, and we're actually going to have a witch on. Yes, a real witch. We have yeah. um, Danielle Purdy. She's one of the leaders of the San Diego Pagans. So we have a fun little Halloween yeah, show coming Yeah, we're going to talk way. all about that and all about the witchy stuff. It'll be a very fun and scary Halloween episode. So Whoa. stay tuned for that. I know Badgie's like, what the? <laughs> and I'm getting drunk. I'm making yeah. witches brew for that. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be a very exciting show. So this month we're pre-booked. And then November we have some great guests coming on in November, which I will tell you guys about later. But yes, follow the podcast, subscribe, please, on iTunes and anywhere you can get our podcasts, and leave us a five-star rating. Yeah. But we're done. That's it. We're going to go enjoy the rest of the day here in San Diego. It looks like Thank shit. Guys. I know. It's a little overcast today. Oh, is it going to rain again today? Oh, no. Is it going to rain? Oh, I hope so. God. <laughs> we're getting the cellar. I'm checking the forecast <laughs> right now. Are you? <laughs> and today we're going to leave you. With a little Hillary Duff. <laughs> With a little cum in your eye. Yeah, a little cum in your eye. Why? Because <laughs> it burns. It's in honor of the rain. It's in the rain. <laughs> Shit. Shit. <laughs> I, pick a nice, I pick a nice early 2000s song and you make it dirty. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hillary Duff's Come Clean. <laughs> There's no Bye, such thing. I know. Bye, it you guys. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. I'm having my moment. <laughs>